you have a copy of God's Word with you this morning, we are going to start in the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 1, the first words of the New Testament. Then we will move around what sometimes I call do some Bible surfing this morning through a couple of other passages, but we will begin in Matthew chapter 1. title of the series has been, What is in a Name? What's in a name? In that series, in this series that we are walking through, uh, this Sunday is the next to the last sermon in the series, but we have looked at a number of names, a number of names for God. We have looked at the name Yahweh, we've looked at the name Adonai, we've looked at Jehovah, Rohi, Jireh, Mekadesh. Last week we saw the name Emmanuel, how he was promised, and how that promise came to fruition. This morning, I want us to focus on a name that has no equal. There's no greater name than the name we look at this morning. There's no higher name. There's no more powerful name. It is the most powerful name that there is. It is a name of hope, a name of might, a name of endearment. It's a name that divides. A name that calls one home. It is the name Jesus. Matthew's gospel announces the name of Jesus. Different than all the others. Mark introduces Jesus there in Mark chapter 1. He introduces Jesus with these words. He states that this gospel of God... This gospel of God has come, and John the Baptist will go forward in front of him. Luke writes of eyewitness account after eyewitness account of Jesus coming, Jesus living, Jesus being introduced to the shepherds. John starts his gospel with these words. In the beginning was the Word. In the beginning was the Lagos. He was with God, and He is God. And then we have Matthew. Matthew, one of the twelve disciples that walked with Jesus for some three plus years. An outsider who became an insider. An outsider because he was a tax collector. Everybody hated him. The Romans hated him, but used him. The Jews hated him because they thought he worked for Rome. Jesus loved him. And he introduces Jesus this way. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ. The son of David. The son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac. And Isaac the father of Jacob. And Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers. And Judah was the father of Perez and Zerah by Tamar. Perez the father of Hezron. And Hezron the father of Ram. Ram was the father of Amminadab. And Amminadab the father of Nashon. 
Nashon, the father of Salmon, Salmon, the father of Boaz by Rahab, and Boaz, the father of Obed by Ruth, and Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of David, the king. And David was the father of Solomon by the wife of Uriah. Solomon, the father of Rehoboam, and Rehoboam, the father of Abijah, and Abijah, the father of Asaph, and Asaph, the father of Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat, the father of Joram, and Joram, the father of Uzziah. Uzziah, the father of Jotham. Jotham, the father of Ahaz, and Ahaz, the father of Hezekiah. Hezekiah, the father of Manasseh. Manasseh, the father of Amos. Amos, the father of Josiah. Josiah, the father of Jeconiah and his brothers at the time of the deportation to Babylon. And after the deportation to Babylon... Jeconiah was the father of Shealtiel, and Shealtiel the father of Zerubbabel, Zerubbabel the father of Abahud, and Abahud the father of Eliakim. Don't you wish it was John and Sam and Tom? I do. Elihud the father of Eleazar, and Eleazar the father of Mathan, and Mathan the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Joseph the husband of Mary, whom Jesus was born who is called Christ. And listen how he closes out this genealogy. So all the generations of Abraham to David were 14 generations. And from David to the deportation of Babylon, 14 generations. And from the deportation uh, to Babylon to the Christ, 14 generations. What a way to introduce Jesus. This morning, I want us to see four truths from God's Word about this name. Four truths. The first is this. We see the unusual marks of his genealogy and how they set him apart from all others. The unusual marks of his genealogy and how they set him apart from all others. And at this moment, I just remembered I did not put those slides in. So you're going to have to write the names down. I got all the other stuff, but I totally forgot to put the points in. Sorry about that, John and Riverbend. So we see this first one. I'm not going to spend all my time this morning, I'm not going to spend all my time this morning walking through the names. But, but there are three unusual facts Three unusual marks of this genealogy that catches my attention every time I read this passage. And because of this, the uniqueness of this one Jesus comes out clear and compelling every time we read this passage. So let's look at these three very quickly. The first, this is his genealogy. You see, you see it right there in Matthew chapter 1, verse 1. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ. The son of David and the son of Abraham. No other place would you see a genealogy in all of Jewish history. No other place would you see this genealogy be called the genealogy of Christ. It may be called the genealogy of David because there are 14 generations, actually 28 generations before Jesus where David is, and we could have had those names there. 
Or it could have been called, it would have been called the genealogy of Abraham because he was the first in this lineage. But Matthew understands the importance of who Jesus is and he says this youngest guy who just came on the scene some 30 years ago, this guy is the most important in all the genealogy. This guy, Jesus, is the most important in all of history itself. So we see the uniqueness, these unusual marks of this genealogy. Even for the youngest man, the last name in the list, Jesus. The whole genealogy is named after him. But second, we see something that is also unusual about this genealogy. There are five women in the genealogy. These women that are found in the genealogy are not found in any other genealogy. But these aren't just average women. These women have issues, and their issues have issues. Yet they find themselves in the midst of this genealogy. We have a prostitute in the list. We have an outsider. She was from Moab in the list. We have one who played the harlot with her father-in-law in the list. We have one who, some say, a king took her. Others say she was willingly taken. But all around her being with the king was filled with murder because he murdered one of his best friends whose wife she was. And then we have, finally, a virgin with child. A virgin with child. Five women in this genealogy that marks these unusual marks of this genealogy all point to him being set apart. And finally, maybe something that you haven't thought of before in this genealogy. There's no real rhyme or reason in the genealogy with good kings and bad kings. Good kings and bad kings came out of this group one after another. There are some good kings in this lineage who have terrible sons. I mean the worst of sons, the worst of kings that advanced the, the movement of Israel, of Judah away from God at an alarming speed. And there are some sons and kings who had terrible fathers, but they were absolutely great and brought the whole nation back to God. There is no rhyme or reason. If you had a good father, you were going to be a good son. Or if you had a bad father, you were going to be a bad son. It doesn't show up in this genealogy. Sometimes they were good and they had good sons. Sometimes they were good and had terrible sons and vice versa. So this genealogy, this genealogy is one of royal lineage. He is in line with Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and David. Jesus is from the start of royal lineage. His great, 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 all the way back to Judah is the right son of Jacob, where the king was going to come from. 
His great, 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 all the way back to David, was the greatest king of Israel throughout those days. If you look at this, Matthew starts building his case that Jesus is special. And he is. In this time of Christmas, may we think on, may we think about, may we be devoted to this Jesus. He is special. He is set apart. He is set apart even by the family lineage of his name. But not only do we see the unusual marks, But second, this morning, we see the distinguished makeup of his personhood and how that sets him apart. You'll see on the screen, Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 18. Let me read those verses for us, and as I read those verses, think about this Jesus. He, Jesus. He is the image of the invisible God. He is the firstborn of all creation. For by Him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through Him and for Him. Look at verse 17. And He is before all things. And in Him all things hold together. And He is the head of the body, the church. And He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything, He, Jesus, might be preeminent. The distinguished uh, makeup of his personhood sets him apart. Paul, writing to those at Colossae, wanted to describe in depth who this Jesus is. Paul wants to describe for a church body like you, like us, who this Jesus is. He starts out in verse 15 and says, He is the image of the invisible God. Everything that is in God, who is not seen, is in Jesus, who is seen. He is God. In this passage, firstborn, it's not used showing time of birth. It is showing a place of birthright. He is in first place twice in this passage in Colossians chapter 1. It states of him being firstborn. Jesus is creator. Nothing is here without him. He made it all. He's the glue that holds this whole place together. I believe it was in 1997 I found myself in Jacksonville, Florida, at First Baptist Church, Jacksonville, where at the time Jerry Vines was the pastor. And there was a huge pastor's conference, some 10,000 pastors filling their auditorium every day for a week. And Dr. Vines stood up and said, I want you to turn to Colossians chapter 1, because that's where we are as a church. And it was Sunday night of that week, and that's where we are as a church. So we're going to just come together and we're going to worship. And he preached from Colossians chapter 1, and I will never forget Jerry Vine said this about this statement in Colossians chapter 1. That Jesus is the glue that holds the whole place together. He does the impossible, Vine stated. 
by making the wings of a bumblebee. This is earth-shattering right here, I'm telling you. By making the wings of a bumblebee, which need to be at least twice as large as they are, able to carry the bee at heights and speed in the air where they should not be able to even get off the ground. The only reason that a bumblebee can fly is because of Jesus. The only reason that you can breathe this morning is because of Jesus. The only reason that Saturn still has any of its rings is because of Jesus. The only reason that any of this is happening at this moment is because of Jesus. Students, he is the only reason that you and I are not a pile of goo, that you and I are not like splatter on the walls of a microwave when stuff boils over in it. He sustains you in times of trouble, sir. He sustains you and me in times of need and help. Ma'am, He is the author of great times in your life. He is Jesus. This Jesus came as a baby. This Jesus left heaven in all of its splendor and all of its glory and all of its placement and came and took the form of a human. Paul wrote it this way in Philippians chapter 2. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours, church, yours in Christ Jesus, who though in the form of God did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant and being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death and even death on a cross. Therefore, therefore, because of those things in verses 6 through 8, therefore, God has highly exalted him. Therefore, God has bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Because Jesus was willing to do what no one else could do, because Jesus was willing to do only what He could do. He came and took the form of man. He came and was born as a baby, lived some 30 plus years on this life, on this earth. He grew in wisdom and in favor with men and with God. There was no time in his life that he sinned. This Jesus. The prestigious mantle of his position is known. We see this third fact, this third truth from this passage of Scripture. 
If you look in verses 6 through 8, because of them, something happens in verse 9. Because of what happened in 6 through 8, God did something for Jesus. God did something to Jesus in verses 9 through 11. Because he empties himself and comes as a human and goes to the cross. Because he's obedient, even to the point of death. As I was preparing this week, I was reminded of some words of Jesus. Some words found in John's Gospel. In John chapter 12, verses 27 through 32, it is possibly the night before Jesus is arrested. It's definitely in that Passion Week, that last week of His life. In John chapter 12, it's right before chapter 13 where he takes off his sandals and he goes and washes everyone's feet. And listen to what he says. As he's talking to his father, Jesus says this in verse 27, Now my soul is troubled. What shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? That's what I would be saying. That's what I would be saying. Save me from this, Father. And he goes on and he says this, But for this purpose, I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. And the crowd that stood there heard it. They said that it had thundered. Others said, an angel has spoken to him. Jesus answered, this voice, this voice has come for your sake, not mine. Now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. The prestigious mantle of his position is known. Jesus knew exactly why he was here. Was it easy for him? By no means. Did he wish that it would have passed? Yes. In other places and also in other Gospel accounts, we see that Jesus even asked the Father in the Garden of Gethsemane, Lord, let this cup pass from me. If there's any, if there's any other way, let it pass. But not my will be done, your will be done. As we look at Christmas, as we look at what's in a name, We see a genealogy that's unusual. We see a position and we see this prestigious mantle. Jesus' position was such that He is high and lifted up. All of His enemies are under His feet. Everything and everyone is bowing down before Him. Some in this room have never bowed the knee. Some in this room have never confessed with their mouth. But there will be a day when everyone, everything, He is king. He's seated 
He's reigning. He's ruling forever and ever and ever. Oh, sir, this morning, oh, ma'am, today, families, individuals, when you see him, your wants change. Those gadgets and trinkets and items that every single one of us will be unwrapping in the coming days won't matter anymore. When you see him, your wants will change. Do you see him? Do you still want the stuff or do you want him? If it's still the stuff, students, you don't see him. If it's still the shiny item, ma'am, sir, you don't see him. Because when you see him, you won't want that stuff. He is above everything. He is higher and greater than everything. Would that you and I today come and worship. Come to Him with all our junk, with all our trash, with all our needs, with all our desires, and lay them at His feet and worship. Sir, He won't disappoint. Even in the midst of a financial crisis, He will not disappoint. Even in the midst of a relationship with a spouse, relationship that has been broken with family, He will not disappoint. He will not leave you. He will not leave you wanting. He will provide and He will work out all your chaos. Come and worship. Because that's what's in His name. You know, this morning I got up early and uh, Paige and the uh, kids have uh, gone south. So I actually got a good night's sleep last night. It's a good thing. But I got up early this morning and I started going over the sermon. I said I wasn't going to cry, but I started crying. Because I kept asking myself, what's in a name? Jesus. What's in a name? Jesus. It took me 12 years for me to sing in front of you on this stage. See if I can do it twice in one year without losing it. If you know the song, you can join in. Jesus, 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 there's just something about that name. Master, Savior, Jesus, like the fragrance after the rain. Jesus, 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 let all heaven and earth proclaim. Kings and kingdoms, so oh, they'll all pass away. But there's something about 
that name. What's in a name? Jesus. In the Old Testament, the name Jesus was spoken of as Joshua. In the New Testament, the name Jesus is Yeshua. Both the same. Our God saves. There's something about that name, sir. Ma'am, there is something about this name. Jesus. Final truth as we look forward to Christmas. Out of God's Word, we see this. The season's motive, and I should have just said, the motive of His coming is told. The season's motive, yes, it is Christmas, but the motive of His reason for being here, for breaking into history, is told. John recorded it this way in John chapter 3. For God so loved the world, That He gave His only Son. That whoever, whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son, verse 17 states, into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. What's in a name? As you think about Christmas, that's the name, Jesus. As you think about taking another breath, it's only because of the name Jesus. As you think about talking to a family member, it's because of the name Jesus. As you and I go throughout this season, the motive, the reason that He came so that all might know Him, Jesus. Heavenly Father, we, we're here at Christmas time. Father, we are here because of what You have done through Your Son, Jesus. God, as, as we spend just a few more moments reflecting on these truths, reflecting on Your coming, Jesus, would You allow Your Spirit to challenge me, challenge us this morning, that we would would see You. Father, we would see You as You are. Jesus, we would see that You are King of kings and Lord of kings. Lords, that we would grab hold of that name that is above every other name. Jesus, would you draw us close to you? And might it be, Father, for me, might it be for us this morning that that you drawing us close to you would not stop when we leave this address today. That this season would change because we see you. 
Jesus, would you move in me? I desperately need it. We desperately need it. Would you move? Draw us close to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Stand and join us as we sing and continue to worship this morning.